Welcome to another episode of The Station Podcast. My name is Adam Longster. I'm joined as always by Samuel Phoebe Mugabe. We both as a Station Podcast endeavour to look at films and media through a curious lens, picking out themes and concepts that we find interesting from them. This week, we are looking at the 2015 Yorgos Lanthimos-directed black comedy, The Lobster. David is escorted to a hotel after his wife has left him for another man. The hotel reveals that single people have 45 days to find a partner, or they will be transformed into an animal of their choice. The dog accompanying David is his brother. David's animal of choice is a lobster. David makes acquaintance with Robert, a man with a lisp, and John, a man with a limp, who become his quasi-friends. The guests and staff at the hotel are fixated with superficial traits, believing this to be the key to compatibility. The hotel has many rules and rituals. Masturbation is banned, but sexual stimulation by the hotel maid is mandatory, and guests attend dances and watch propaganda extolling the advantages of partnership. Residents can extend their deadline by hunting and tranquilizing the single people who live in the forest close to the hotel. Each captured loner earns them a day. On one hunt, a woman with a fondness for biscuits offers David sexual favors, which he declines. She tells him if she fails to find a mate, she will kill herself by jumping from a window on the first floor. John, the limping man, wins the affections of a woman with constant nosebleeds by purposely smashing his nose in secret. They get moved to the couple section to begin a month-long trial of partnership. David later decides to court a notoriously cruel woman who has tranquilized more loners than anyone else. Their initial conversation is accompanied by the screams of the biscuit-loving woman, who has injured herself by jumping from the first floor. David pretends to enjoy the woman's suffering to gain the heartless woman's interest. He later joins her in the jacuzzi, where she feigns choking on an olive to test him. Noticing that he makes no attempt to help her, she decides that they are a match, and they are shifted to the couple's suite. David wakes up one morning and finds she has kicked his brother to death. As David cries in response to losing his canine sibling, she concludes that their relationship is a lie. She attempts to drag him to the hotel manager to be punished. However, he escapes, and with the help of a sympathetic maid, who is later revealed to be a mole working with the loners, tranquilizes his partner and transforms her into an unspecified animal. David escapes the hotel and joins the loners in the woods. In contrast to the hotel, they forbid any kind of romance, which is punishable by mutilation. David, who is short-sighted, begins a secret relationship with a woman who is also short-sighted. They develop a gesture language that they use to communicate their affections to one another. They are taken on covert missions to the nearby city, where their cover requires them to appear as lovers, which they secretly enjoy. The loners launch a raid to sabotage the work of the hotel. David tells the woman with the nosebleeds that John has been faking his. The loner leader holds the hotel manager and her husband at gunpoint, tricking him into shooting his wife to save himself, but the gun is not loaded. They leave the couple to face each other. The leader of the loners obtains the short-sighted woman's journal and discovers her plan to escape with David. The leader takes the woman to the city, apparently to have an operation to cure her short-sightedness, but instead has her blinded. David and the woman try to find something else that they have in common, but to no avail. One morning, David overpowers the leader, leaving her tied up in an open grave, ostensibly to be eaten by wolves. 
He and the blind woman escape to the city and stop at a restaurant. David goes into the restroom and prepares to blind himself with a steak knife, but he hesitates twice and his decision is left unshown. The Lobster has an absurd universe that we're kind of thrust into, like almost an alternative reality. It's obviously from the outset very bizarre, almost deadpan, it's sort of delivery, it's <laughs> I suppose almost alien the way that people act in it, which is nothing strange for a Lanthimos film or Greek weird wave film. Anyway, this, this film has been a staple with me for quite some time, you know, it's almost had this sort of sort of permeance in my life I've, it's kind of perpetuated around it i remember hearing the concept of it and i just fell in love with oh there's a man and if he doesn't find love in 30 days he's turned into a lobster and that instantly got me smitten so it's another film that i thought was very interesting to push to sam as it's another sort of postmodern story and i i know obviously sam quite liking that the other postmodern films that I've shown him I was like this this might be absolutely perfect to introduce him to Yorgos Lanthimos so I suppose from that introduction what are your takes on Greek weird wave what do you how do you find that going into that absurd alternative reality I mean I'm pretty happy there I think um yeah it's a strange room isn't it because it's another sort of dystopia and we've like looked at dystopias before we've looked at Brazil and um, you can maybe describe like Annihilation as being a bit dystopian and this weird world. And it, you know, it reminded me as well of, I think we mentioned it before, like 1984. And I think even like the, the room that he's given in the hotel that he has to stay in is room 101, which is obviously a bit of a nod to 1984 because that's <laughs> like the room at the end of that story. Um, Yeah, like it's the kind of style and the visuals of it. So interesting because I think, yeah, as you just said, Adam, the way that people deliver their lines, it's not how like people actually talk in real life. It's very uh, emotionless. It just seems everything's very deadpan. And, you know, people will be talking about quite serious things or upsetting things, but they're just saying them in a way that, it, you know, they just sound like they're kind of exchanging a, the wet, like sort of greetings or like, you know, discussing the weather with someone in a, in a post office queue or something or something like that. Or just they'll kind of, um, I guess, like, just talk about very odd things or kind of strange parts of their lives seems to be a lot of the dialogue is just people kind of mentioning very odd peculiar or boring um things if that makes sense like there's a bit where one of the characters the man with the limp is talking about the size of like basketballs or the weight of basketballs and, and various different balls and that's like the dinner conversation and his daughter's kind of like no i don't know what the weight of that ball is but i'd like to find out Often Yorgos Lanthimos films have this fascination with the mundanity, but then not really getting to the core or crux of what, you know, people would want to have if they have a deep, meaningful conversation. But obviously these traumatic or life-changing things happen. You know, like uh, David, you know, our protagonist in the film, his brother is kicked to death. The, the, the dog that he is now, Bob, uh, is kicked to death and... They 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 blatantly sort of talk about some very mundane things while he's sort of he's ha having to sort of keep it together so he doesn't um, sort of let on to that he, he's like that and it's a very kind of mm. obvious and blatant um, sort of pointing at that that you know there's like a constraint and, and control and I suppose like almost a rigidity to the characters that they can't they're they're it to me is almost like 
actors forced into these roles like like into suits like you know and they have to just operate and oh did i say the right mm. thing did, uh, you know like all oh, there's the there's this mechanical nature this very sort of robotic and uh, as i say like and everything in the world is very constricted isn't it it's all it's all built on rules you know it's kind of built on this this rule that if you're not in a couple you get sent to this hotel and you have uh, 40 days plus more if you if you catch other people on these hunts that they have and bring them in to be turned into animals and if you if you don't find a couple and, and fall in love and they kind of it seems like test that you have actually fallen in love with this person or have or kind of are compatible enough with them that you can like live together for a few weeks without without killing each other or get, you know having too many arguments um <laughs> if you know if you fail this task you do get turned into an animal and it doesn't really kind of go into what happens to the animals but we do see like in this forest that's near the hotel there is there'll be like a, a there's like a pig that's presumably somebody's been turned into there's things like camels um i don't know if like the rabbits are just meant to be actual rabbits there's rabbits that they kind of eat a lot but some of you know horses and things like that that and it, the movie opens with someone presumably going and shooting a horse that was someone that they that they knew in the past i think i think it was a donkey so um it was just this random yeah. donkey that we just see on the side of the road this woman goes and shoots the donkey um yeah. and it's never really explained it's, we never know why she does it but we assume from the later text that we get it's it's like maybe she had some vendetta maybe she was doing it for her own reasons and I, I mean, I think that premise, when you open on it, it's it some ways, like, the world is very black and white, but when you go in the forest, that yeah, there's, like, all these animals that, like, people have had wild inclinations of what they've picked, of, like, oh, I want to be a camel, oh, I want to be this 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 little, like, um, peacock or whatever, like, obviously really impractical, and they're just shoved in the forest because they have nowhere else to go. <laughs> but there's, like, a thing of when... When David's talking to the hotel manager and she sort of asks him what animal he'd like to be and he sort of explains he wants to be a lobster and he gives some very practical reasons because lobsters live for a hundred years and the, all these other reasons why he'd like to be a lobster and she's like oh that's a very good idea that's a very good animal to pick like most people just pick dogs and that's where there's so many dogs and it's weird because they're obviously talking about this very peculiar magical thing that we you know we think of transformations and transmutations as is obviously not existing really in in the real world and um, being the stuff of fantasies i think we've kind of we've talked about before but it's it, in this world it's a very it's kind of it's like when they describe it, it's a medical procedure and something very normal and the kind of things that they're talking about it is not wow this is really interesting that this can happen and like maybe some people would actually want to be animals um or you know certain animals but it's it's a punishment and it's like thought of in very practical terms of like this is why i'd like to be this animal well it's very funny isn't it because the hotel manager she kind of explains to david and and, and tells him this very interesting thing is like well um you can't have a hippopotamus and a penguin living together that would just be absurd wouldn't it well yeah but the whole premise is absurd like just think about it it is absurd like yeah but then this leads to like none of the characters questioning how this absurd world has come to bite we don't ever learn the real why this is the the case why the there's you know there's no in a lot of dystopias you do like in in 1984 we get the idea of this revolution that's happened at some point in the past um which is kind of overthrown like capitalism and that's why and then that's kind of slowly spiraled into into the kind of hell that the that the woods become i guess in like brazil it doesn't ever really say why but it's just kind of a i think it's just a sort of you can kind of see 
I guess like the kind of bureaucracy like just becoming more and more ridiculous we, we already see some of the kind of tenants that they kind of heighten in that with uh you know trying to get stuff done and not having the right forms and you know people coming having to come from the sort of central you know um services and, and do things and having to go back and all these kind of ridiculous things um but in this yeah it's a very it's a strange world it's a kind of world that's built on couples and and kind of not wanting people to be alone everyone has to be in a couple and if you're not then you turn into an animal yeah i mean there's that real big division of society is like if you're not in a couple and you're by yourself um that's inherently worse than death and people they do not the the higher powers the powers that be in this world do not want that for whatever reason i mean we see the people the loners in this world they they get along fine there's even this little sort of i mean like um a small sort of cult maybe a, a collection of people a community uh they're all living in the woods but it's like a community of loners yeah they're not they're kind of not supposed to have too much to do with each other like they'll get punished if they form romantic attachments or then they when they listen to music it has to be like on their own like they, they kind of have these weird little silent discos that it seems in the woods where they're all sort of dancing to their own music um because and i thought that because it's it's really weird because that to me almost seems like that's like a detachment and a pulling away from this main society that's very rule-bound and about couples but even in this kind of counterculture to it this kind of conclave that's living in the woods they're still really really rule driven like of what you can and can't do and what you have to do it's like the lesser of two evils isn't it it's uh you know you either stay with this 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 kind of like I suppose structure and, and and society that's telling you you have to do what we tell you or there will be punishments for it but then you go to another part of society where they basically take the opposite um sort of position to them but still have there's still punishments and repercussions obviously if you do have any relations or are flirting with anyone or you know get closer to anybody you you have parts of your body mutilated because you've had these these relations it's called like the red kiss or something isn't it which they i guess it's this kind of like a chelsea smile or something really horrible because you see two two of the characters and it have bandaged mouths obviously and i think it's because they either kissed or were, or were flirting too heavily and there's the kind of two of the main characters david and the woman that he falls in love with in the forest they have to sort of create their own kind of sign language so that they can communicate together because they're not allowed to sort of form a relationship, which just seemed really strange to me that it's like you've been banished from or escaped from this restrictive society and you're kind of going to make your own restrictions, even though they're kind of in the opposite direction of the society you've escaped on. Well, why not just let people live? It seems very odd indeed. Like, Yeah, I mean, again, there's it goes back to that element, I think, of ultimate control i mean in in lanthimos's films often there is this element that there is it that there is this sort of power this this struggle of like hierarchy or you know or kind of ultimate control that is needed to have to create you know like for for example in this it's like to, to have a relationship it needs to be controlled it needs to be monitored it needs to have steps and procedures um and then the, on the opposite end, we've got, you know, again, it needs to be controlled to be alone. You need to be controlled, manipulated and, and kind of mm. set through. But the only time we see people actually get into a, a proper genuine relationship is David and the short sighted woman, as she's referred to. They all have very 
like very arbitrary names and very like self-explanatory yeah. names when I you think go david's through. david's the only character who actually has a name um but he doesn't even have a second name it's just david just a very bland boring name david you know as much as all the other characters are very bland and boring and, and just to kind of divert from that for a second it's obviously the way that it's shot is isn't very isn't very fascinating it's got a very dull color palette it's very a lot of the sto- a lot of the shots are very static um mm. there's not a very lot going you know as i say and but that, that kind of adds to it i think as sam was saying like there's you know i mean there's definitely a lot of comedy in in what's being produced in the absurdity of the world but it's certainly like uh, yeah it's it's not not i wouldn't say it like it glows with with activities and and brimming you know it's it's no but i think that's one of the interesting things about this hotel is that it's this place where they obviously send people to to try and in inverted commas fall in love um but it's a very clinical place there's all these rules and um it's not a nice looking hotel like the surroundings a lake which kind of looks okay but you know it's very bleak the sort of surroundings and it's all very rule based like i think when he goes on the first day you have to have one of your hands like handcuffed behind you to sort of show you that it's easier being in a couple and there's all these weird kind of things where they're trying to educate people this is why you want to be together because if you choke you know you you uh, you'll have someone to save you or if you're working home at night you won't be attacked um but in these really i don't know they're just (laughs) like weird kind of art artistic skits that the the staff are obviously forced to do and obviously don't particularly look like they're very into it they you know they're not they're kind of putting in the bare minimum of effort to try and educate these people again they're they're done under these sort of guises and, and and the way that they do them is very kind of again very stiff very rigid very kind of um almost i'd say like almost like a child not knowing where they are in the world mm. lost um that yeah the, i mean one of the interesting things as well is it's very black and white it's either you all or nothing there's no gray in this world like if you we we kind of go through and we, there's these we first say david going to the hotel and he's asked a bunch of questions by the the person who's kind of the the sort of receptionist as it were or the mm. person kind of interviewing him and she kind of she says what's your sexual orientation and he's like oh well it's uh it's straight but actually i had a a, a homosexual experience when i was i was younger and it's like that this uh, you know is there a bisexual o- option and she's like no this option is no longer available you have to choose now whether it is heterosexual or ho- or you or you're homosexual and there's also another scene where there's the shoe size it's like oh um what what is your shoe size 44 and a half it's like no well we don't have 44 and a half it's either 44 or 45 it's like everything has to fit into the box isn't it i yeah i thought that i thought it was really interesting that the sort of scene at the the start and i think doesn't she say it's like due to like operational problems or something i guess it's due to the fact that it's too much work for them i suppose it's that binary isn't it it's it's Mm. either you know one or the other because it makes i suppose it makes things simple again it 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 simplifies life and it, it allows people to understand as i say that seems to be the thing is that a lot of the characters get what's going on but there's not a lot of lent to like something that's unknown or ambiguous or mm. mercurial like, in the world if everything has to be controlled doesn't it it's like there can't be any sort of gray in the middle you can't be a 42 and a half you know you have to be a 42 or a, a 30 you have to be straight 
or gay you can't be anywhere in between um because that doesn't i guess it's like it doesn't fit to the rules of of the hotel or the rules of the world it's like it's one or the other um and that's sort of maybe seen in the counterculture as well that it's either you're with someone and married in a couple in in the kind of the world or you are completely alone on your own and you don't have anything really to do with anyone else even in the same way that i think there's a bit where they talk about that you you have to dig your own grave because no one else will do it and they might chuck a bit of dirt on it but that's about it in there there's kind of this weird thing of them pick, pick digging their own graves really in the the kind of forest if you had to characterize this film as like an alignment like a D alignment would you either say i was thinking like it's either true neutral or like lawful neutral like that's how it feels it feels very in the middle probably lawful because it's it's very rule bound isn't it kind yeah of. yeah but it's not because that's the weird thing about the society it doesn't seem necessarily like you know in in 1984 you get that it's it's an evil horrible society in brazil you know they torture people and it is and obviously you know you could see that the hotel that is kind it's kind of like a type of torture really but everything's done under this film of oh this is what's what's best for you you know we're just trying to help you um even though you know there's that horrible scene where um i can't remember what his his character is like john c Riley's character um they're putting his hand in the toaster kind of just yeah. holding in there is, is a punishment um and everyone in the breakfast while they're having breakfast everyone is just sat around doing absolutely nothing um yeah and he i don't know he's like i don't know if he's screaming or even he isn't like reacting perhaps quite as much as you might expect if someone's hand is being burned um again it's, yeah. it's that it's that complacence acceptance with yes i i do accept the rules of this i mean obviously he fights it a little bit and does you know sort of say well yeah but you know but he kind of like these are the rules these are the things that are put in place this is what you must abide by mm. and 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 then he has to submit to that uh, yeah i do think it's not i mean it's quite rational the film is and i think that's it's almost to its detriment it's very logical and as i say very clinical going back to that same point it, the only true love that's met in this film is David and Rachel Wise, you know, that they've, they mm. kind of only come together because there was no, there was no kind of thing spurring them to be together. But as, as Sam kind of rightly mentioned, they are both, both short sighted and they both, and even David gets obsessed about that. Like you, you know, again, as you mentioned, like he goes up to another character and, and kind of like chastises him because he thinks he's short tight as well. And he, he thinks he's going to have a better sort of match with her because they talk together and he's like, you know. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That they seem to pick out these like arbitrary details. So like two of the characters, the I think one, he's called the man with the limp and there's the man, the woman who gets nosebleeds a lot It to, to kind of endear himself to her or to sort of prove that they'd be good together he pretends to have nosebleeds so and you know to do that he like he will smack his head on things or he'll cut the inside of his nose so it looks like he's he's got a nosebleed and it seems weird that yeah they kind of focus on these very arbitrary physical um samenesses that oh because these two people both get nosebleeds oh they'll be a good couple together well why yeah they might you know you know there might be some kind of practical things like, oh yeah you know you know that you need to buy a lot of tissues or you both know how to deal with nosebleeds but it doesn't mean that you're going to be more compatible it just means that you're going to have lots of nosebleeds in your house yeah it doesn't really the the film in its in general sense probably doesn't really account for feelings in that way there's no there's no kind of openness for that and again 
it's almost advantageous not to have feelings in, in, in this and mm. not to be and to be completely removed. Like obviously we see David the when woman, he tries the woman with no without a heart, isn't there, who's very, very cold and and yeah, very I guess pretty nasty. And he obviously yeah, to try and he's it's kind of quite close to I guess at the end he's about to be turned into an animal and, and he has this because there's you get this interesting sort of voiceover which is done by is it Rachel Wiseman's character I think yeah. is is doing it which I think added quite a lot because you get all these interesting like inner thoughts of his that she's obviously he's obviously told her about later and she's kind of narrating over the story that something that you get in like books and things like that but you sometimes lose in film you lose that kind of internal monologue and unless you're maybe watching something like Peep Show where it's obviously being shown to you how did you sort of feel about that? I suppose it's it's again it's arbitrary detail like we go to the beginning of the film and he's being taken away to the hotel and it's describing he thought oh well he decided he would go with his brown brogues as they were a better fit like the the things that you that don't like as a voiceover and narration like it's flavor text it's like if you read this in a book it's just it's merely things that you'd be like well this is just describing more things it doesn't necessarily tell me anything really indicative about the character i think there is literally a bit where he he's having a conversation with a woman who likes biscuits and he says something and then the voiceover says basically <laughs> says the same it. thing again as <laughs> like it's overlapping it. it's like overlapping what he's saying like it's like just repeating back it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yes yeah we just we just heard that <laughs> Rachel Wise's character, um, who's the short-sighted woman, um, she is she is bl- blinded in this film. Like she's punished basically for for which is an ironic punishment. Obviously, she being short-sighted, and then now she's blind because. But they sort of trick her, don't they? They think she thinks she thinks she's going to have her eyesight fixed, which she's not particularly happy about because I think it's like that's one of the things that that she feels connected with David is that they're both short-sighted. They both have to have contact lenses and glasses. But yeah, I thought that was a very brutal. I mean, it is, you know, it is a, it is quite a brutal film. It's a dystopian world. Um, But I don't know. There's always some time, you know, in quite a lot of them, you, you know, it's the same in, in Brazil and the same in 1984 is if there's some sort of love interest, you, you hope that it's going to kind of end happily for them. And, it's maybe a bit ambiguous in this whether it does but in the other ones it, it definitely doesn't um you know the kind of the world just sort of crushes that romance and, and kind of moves on yeah it doesn't really give the the world it doesn't really help facilitate that it doesn't help bring these two people together and say you're you're together for the right reasons again every other character in this the manager uh the hotel manager and her husband they're together for what seems like obviously they're oh they're so in love it's mentioned we love each other so much and it's put to test later in the film and they're just again with each other for very just arbitrary reasons that doesn't seem to be any it seems to be for him isn't it because because she works quite a lot he's he just gets to sit in in his room on his own and he enjoys that because he's sort of saying why she should die instead of him because he'd be he he could live on his own easier than her because he's used to not being around her sort of kind of thing yeah which is quite odd it does seem it's that thing of the you know there's there seems to be like the kind of surface of the world which is you know oh everything's kind of fine and everyone's in love and then there's and you know 
I, I, I feel like the sort of the fact that the way that everyone kind of talks and the way that it's quite robotic kind of feeds into that, that it's, you know, it's an artificial surface of, of kind of the characters and, and what they're like. And then there's certain moments where you sort of see the surface being scratched. Like there'll be random times when um, a character will say something and another character will just slap them. Like they won't, they won't say something angry or they won't act angry, but they'll just slap them. Like, that they just don't know how to express their their feelings, but something real has kind of come up, and the only way that they can express this is it's kind of by physically hitting that other character. It's really odd. It's almost it won't allow them to do so. Like the narrative won't allow them to express how they really feel. It's like the yeah, I think you, the, one of the scenes that I think of when you say that is like there's the 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 bleeding nose girl woman um she's obviously saying goodbye to one of her friends who's just about to be turned into mm. a horse um and she's kind of reading out this this kind of this almost like eulogy to her you know of like you know we were friends you know in school and we saw each other and obviously she goes to slap her and and kind of again we we don't get any real deep reasoning you know she doesn't explain or have an emotional outburst about this is what this really means to me it seems very confined very strict and right yeah well okay <laughs> I, then she just slaps I mean, this, she? and then it's like this is the this is the film i want to watch on my last night as a human yeah that, that yeah and just goes again off. Again, sort of ignoring that completely, it's it or ignoring the the context of what's going on, just to, to kind of go for something a bit more mundane or mention something mundane. I mean, I do think that happens in a lot of Yorgos's films, and again, it's a recurrent theme that sort of happens in all of his films. Are are characters acting in this this kind of almost alien way? This this very again absurd and and kind of like. Uh, and I do think that's a staple of of Greek weird wave. That seems to be apparent in in that. I mean, as I say, because you've never seen you've never seen anything of Yorgos Lanthimos mm, or Greek wave no. weird wave. I imagine. How is that sort of like coming into this? You know, again, how is that? You know, just jumping straight into something like the lobster, without any sort of pretext. I mean, I guess it's one of those things, isn't it? Because it's subverting the sort of normal. The, the societal norms of how, how we generally talk and, and kind of act it's you know so stylistic in that way it's like you have to I guess it's like sort of readjust as you're watching it and, and kind of realize well this is this is might not be how like you know people in the in the real world act but it's how people in this world act but it, it kind of reminded me a lot of I mean it's obviously a bit dark and a bit different but like the, the way that the way that it's shot and the way sometimes that characters sort of talk and act is a little bit Wes Anderson-y and, you know, yeah. this kind of big long. Obviously, Wes Anderson, it's there's lots more cut together shots and and sort of different things. But in some of the kind of longer shots and just in some of the kind of caricatured way that characters kind of act in the world, it's reminiscent. It, I suppose in Wes Anderson films, I've always thought of them as like he has like a collection of toys that he's playing with like in the story and they're all sort of models and figures that mm. he's readjusted and that's it's very neat and very confined and in the same sort of way in a Yorgos film it feels like they're all being puppeted they're all being um put through the motions like it's sort of like a, a claymation or, or stop motion animation they're almost like having to walk through this kind of story and do the things that they're enforced to do mm. by some sort of higher power some sort of force like you know again that's something that's, that's watching over them i mean as i say that 
and again that to me sort of switched on because in the there was a like a there was a greek crisis like a sort of a, a financial crisis within the country mm. which it kind of spurred on i mean obviously yorgos kind of denies this himself and says well it's not really you know part of what, what i because the it was like a it was a deprivation of like art and the, the resources to be able to look at the art and say mm. oh well draw on from these but he obviously he had access to that but i felt there was a definite difference between kinetica an earlier work and then dogtooth there was a definite difference of well, oh, the, these these kind of structures at play, and there's there's the the government or whatever it is, like the cultural social norms are lying to you. They're telling you things that you know you could re- rebel against. In the in the lobster, I think David could easily defy these expectations and start questioning things. Why am I being you know? Why do I have to turn into an animal? He could start asking the question of the world, like even in being John Malkovich, um, Craig could ask. You know, he, he even begs the question of like, what does this mean? But he, he again, like he flagrantly just ignores the question in pursuit of something bigger. Yeah. We, you know, we never, we never learn why the world is like this. What and who and who is well? Because, I mean, I think the only the kind of most official people we perhaps see, obviously, like the hotel staff, um, and there's a few police officers because you know there's a bit where some of the loners are sneaking into the hotel to kind of it's to, to test or to sow i think you said earlier it's like sow the seeds of doubt in some of the relationships and kind of show that actually well are they together because they love each other or are they together because the world's created a very bad consequence for not being with someone and there's like what two two kind of i think there were they're kind of waiters or two hotel staff on guard who are very easily just just shot i mean one of them gets shot with a with a tranquilizing dart and falls over and the other one kind of looks at him kind of looks around without even trying to take cover or do anything <laughs> and then inevitably gets hit with a dart and and falls falls over himself so the which is weird because you know it's, we have this, this this very controlled system but it does seem that it's actually very physically you know when david escapes the hotel yeah he has some help but it's it doesn't it's not too hard for him to do Everyone seems resigned to their fate. They're kind of yeah. They they ha- ha- Although the world presents these kind of very narrow boxes and margins that you should be in, it people don't really seem to want to defy that. Like in Brazil, we see Sam start to try to defy the system, try to to break away and and actually rebel against it. In this, mm. David seems very complacent, very almost like oh well, you know that. He doesn't even seem to to question why why things are the way that they are, and I mean, do you think that sort of look when we look and take it as a social message? Are there things in life that we're not perhaps questioning, and that there are absurdities at play that we're probably taking for granted? Like, for example, in this system, there you know relationships are a sort of core fundament of like they're trying to get people to 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 be with one another like almost like they live kind of thing like a subconscious message but quite a of overt message in this mm. of like you must be together are there, are there things like that do you think that's maybe hinting at in society that we're perhaps overlooking or you know i guess i mean probably that like obviously on a less structured basis but i guess i think there definitely is a you know all those kind of societal pressures of of having to being a couple and having to start a family and have children and do all these things which you know obviously people do and but it's like it it, it can maybe feel like for some people like a pressure that they have to do that which it shouldn't but it's it sh- you know for some people it's obviously stuff that they want to do but that society can look at people 
who haven't done that and sort of demonize them and you know it i think it's it's maybe it feels does feel a bit like it's sort of commenting on that it's commenting on the society that sort of tells you that you have to you know you fall in love you get married you have children you grow old and that that's the kind of the way to live your life and for some people that is but for a lot of people that isn't and you know this world is is in in the lobster has been created where it's saying would well, you know if you don't want to to live this kind of this life you, then you're going to be an animal and you're going to be kind of outcast and you're better off as an animal like which is quite ironic yeah. isn't it because it's almost quite animalistic to to want to just reproduce and and be in a relationship and everything it's, obviously it's the base need of humans is to to mm. survival is to you know reproduce like, yeah pair bond you know to go with someone else so it's kind of funny that obviously that's the eventual repercussion if you don't in the matter of 30 days well you're you're now in a you know you know you're you're a lobster you're a pig you're a you're a horse with nice hair you know <laughs> but you're not a human anymore that that to me is is kind of it's a scary it's a scary thing to, to sort of think about is as I say like that there are these sort of pressures at work and we do need to I suppose we have to label things a lot we have to we have to make sure that you know people are confined to what we we kind of know them as and I suppose again either be arbitrary like you know somebody's got like short hair well I've already preferred, preferred people with short hair I will make her the one <laughs> yeah there's that really odd bit isn't there where we sort of getting close to the end and he's kind of picking between the woman with no heart and the is it the woman who likes biscuits the biscuit woman. who's obviously who's obviously he keeps leaving him kind of phone calls and there's bit times when she's like talking to him and sort of saying like well he obviously very obviously wants to be with him but he obviously doesn't feel any sort of sexual attraction to her but she's you know she's a nice person she seems like a really lovely person she she's sort of always asking him about his dog who's his brother and kind of wanting to give biscuits for the dog and this other woman who he obviously is attracted to but is horrible and it ends up killing his dog because it's like he's he has to pretend to be heartless so that she'll want to be with him but then he, he obviously can't keep it up once you know he tries to she kind of she's like oh I've, I've kicked i've kicked your brother to death and he's like oh okay i didn't really like him anyway i'm just gonna go and you know wash my wash my face and then he's obviously trying to stop himself from crying in the bathroom and she's like oh like i knew you were lying because um, the way she tests him is she pretends to choke, and because he doesn't do anything to save her, she's like, "Okay, you know, we can we can protect, we can try and be a couple together." Yeah, that we're a compatible match. I think that's the thing that she was saying. Like when she did that, put him through that tr- test. I mean, I think the biscuit woman, I think she's just as desperate as anybody else, and she's using her own method. And that I think that's the, the the this reality that we see all these people in. She's just another person with her other tactics. It's like, oh, I'll I'll pander, you know, I'll give biscuits all the time. <laughs> like that's my trait. I will give biscuits to people. And if you know, again, as I say, when you see that, like um, this heartless woman, it's obviously got her own method. She's very much a loner. She's very much uh, in that sense. She's she found a way to game the system. Like every time they go on these hunts to hunt for loners, um, to basically acquire, like accrue more days. And she's very good at it. She's because con- it, it never quite says how often it happens, but I think it's not, it's definitely not once a day. It's maybe once a week or something like that. And she, yeah, consistently gets enough kills or not kills. She gets, 
hunts enough, you know, captures enough people because they, you know, they don't kill them. They tranquilize them, captures enough people that she's been there for. What I think it's over a, it's hundreds of days. I think she's her like her body count is over a hundred. I think they they say it at some point. So she's obviously just been there for ages. Yeah, it's like one hundred fifty nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's gaming the system. Yeah, again, everyone's found their own way of doing it. Even David mentions like uh, to to one of his friends like the the guy who's like obviously who's been caught masturbating and had his hand in the toaster um he's he obviously says well you might have to find a different strategy you might have to find something that's going to suit you like you know it might be not strength and agility that's going to no, i think he's saying it's the the limping man he's saying like you'll have to find something else that'll help you uh help you do that the catch, I think, yeah catch the people yeah you can't out you, you probably won't be able to outrun them because because of your leg yeah like in another Yorgos Lanthimos film, The Favorite, there's this this idea of of kind of needing to again be at the top and to rise above competition. You know, there can only be one kind of thing, and I always get that sort of mentality from his films. Like there's this constant need to uh, be on the where, you know, be on the wary of like there's some someone in the you know who's going to take my place. There's always going to be someone who's mm. going to supplant me and, you know, and kind of take, and that seems to be a very prevalent film, like theme in his films. Like this is mm. very evident here. Like obviously, you know, it's almost a competition to get into somebody's good graces. It's not about falling in love and generally kind of getting into, you know, a, a relationship that kind of works or is harmonious. or you feel something for this person, you know, because of other, other facts. It's again, very arbitrary. Do we match? Do we, you know, I'm heartless and you're heartless. Well, we probably make a good, really good match. Um, Can be heartless you bleed, together. You bleed from the node. <laughs> you bleed from the nose. I bleed from the nose. Well, we make a really good match. Because you know? there's that. There's almost a bit. There's a bit, isn't there, near the beginning where the the man with the limp. They're sort of talking about the new people who have arrived, and I think David's like, "Oh, I saw one of the women was limping here," and she's like, "Oh no, no, she's she's just sprained her ankle." she'll be walking fine in another like that would be the thing that he's like oh like i want someone else who's kind of the same as me has the same the same difference as me which yeah it just seems like a really it's quite an odd thing but it also seems like it's such an arbitrary thing to, to to kind of try and cling on to and find in this very odd strange world is like some some similar similarity so I suppose, sort of tailing off here, um, what what's your kind of verdict? What's your takeaway from the lobster? What did you really learn through it? What did what, or what did you find fascinating through it? I think, as I've sort of mentioned before, that the aesthetics. I think there's definitely something in that. I I do enjoy films where it it kind of takes you out of or or subverts you know what we've kind of defined is is how people act in life and and how people then act in films to kind of replicate that and it just sort of you know messes around with that and moves that moves that around and i think as you sort of said i think it is sort of commenting on like society and on you know the the kind of sort of drive to live a certain way and sort of saying well actually you can live a different way but i think it's quite interesting in this film how it sort of shows the different way as being just as constrictive and actually probably worse because you are living you know on your own in a wood opposed to opposed to you know in a house or a hotel or, or, or in this the kind of city that they they end up going back to that's the kind of that kind of I guess represents like civilization um yeah i enjoyed it i thought it was very odd but i think most of the films we've looked at have been really odd what about you i mean yeah i, th- I think going to that that same that same point about i think you're you're really stuffed in this world if you're you know again if you're alone or if you're forced to be in a, a relationship i think w- when 
the limping man goes to 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 David. We've not mentioned, but he's played by Colin Farrell in this. Um, but he goes to him and, and says to him, um, "What would be the? What would you rather prefer? Would you rather um, be eaten by a larger animal, uh, killed cold and lonely, or, or you know, would you rather be cold and lonely, or would you rather pretend to have a nosebleed from time to time?" And David's like, "Well, the worst thing would be to be eaten by a bigger animal." Exactly. Yeah. So. I mean, again, it that sort of highlights the the film, it, it, the theme in the film, which is this kind of you know, um, what's the lesser evil here? What you know, what am I going to have to put up with? You know, that's that's not. And again, it, it's very black and white. It's very much like, what do you want? Because ev- everything feels bad. Everything feels like there's no winning in this. There's no winning. <laughs> no, no. And also because the way that that people have to find their their love, their their one is in this very controlled environment. There's no. You know, there's no kind of thing that like, oh, if you, you know, if you're still single by a certain age, you get sent to the hotel. It's, it's no, if you, the second you are made single, you know, I think his, his wife died, what, like, something like six days before he, he, he got sent to the hotel or something. Yeah. I think is, so, you know, he's obviously still going to be grieving from that and he's just expected to then go and kind of find love. It's like, it's, you, you're so unlikely to find someone that you actually like in those that circumstances and in that time frame that. It's, but it's like it's the system's kind of it's I don't know it's just it's it's created you know these this very as you said like binary of like single bad couple good and there's no in between and if you know you either go down one <laughs> you, you're forced down one kind of thing one but it's path. A- I suppose in life, I find we have that sort of similarity of like if you get to a certain age, if you get in your fifties or forties, and you are you aren't in a you know a husband if you don't have a husband or wife or any kind of partnership long standing, well you're doing mm. something wrong. You're not happy, you know. And I think that we do live in a culture and society that has plagued on this this fear of being alone and and being deprived from a relationship. Yeah, so I think. Yeah that's a really core fundament that I think we all, we, we do kind of like, I mean, maybe I think is quite connective. Like we, we see that instantaneously like, well, yeah, you know, that is a real fear, you know? And if you were mm. like put into like a, a circumstance where it was like a school almost where you had to, you know, like write a test to get in someone's good graces or find love. That's what I think the lobster really shows us is like, yeah. what, what would that be? Yeah. Like? I like that. I think that's a, that's a good summing up of it. Really. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We never find out where exactly it is. It's always like the city, the the hotel, uh, the, the is house. It, is it supposed to be in England or is it? Because it, it kind of weather-wise and stuff, it looks like England. But then there's quite, you know, there's quite a lot of French people. And then there's, you know, people with, with accents from around Britain um, and different sort of places. So, you never kind of, it just seems like it's, I don't know, like, you know, Wes Anderson's films. It's, you know, like the Grand Budapest Hotel is in some... I think it's like a made-up country, but you know, it's just some conglomeration of like bits of Germany and Switzerland and Austria, and you know, all those kind of countries around there. And it, this is kind of what it almost seems like. That it's kind of you know, West just a combination of cold Western European countries. I don't know. I think yeah, it's it's. I suppose it's the amalgamation of just you know a, a very nebulous kind of you know place again these they're not having a very distinct the hotel the the you know these very 
sort of cold locations and having people from all different sort of regions maybe makes that bit more like well it could be anywhere or maybe it's just mm. you know the world or the alternative reality that's not really explained is just like that it's just you know everyone's maybe amassed into these very sort of very binary sort of sex and you know maybe being mm. french maybe being a greek you know maybe being like english isn't a, a natural factor in this maybe that's you know like as i say maybe in the like that same sort of wes anderson vein it's it's not important really to the story mm. you know the location mm. i thought the, the location actually looks really interesting it looks like some sort of scandinavian country i'd say that could be yeah it could be couldn't it because you've got these big quite a lot of big hills isn't there and big forests and but it could be Scotland as well. It could it could be a lot of yeah, places. Way, it could be Wales. It could be Ireland. Like there's quite yeah, there's quite a lot of places with that kind of topography. Yeah, it could be anywhere. Yeah, any any Scandinavian country really. Oh, the I mean, there's the scenes with uh, Rachel Rachel Wise and obviously with um, and, and Colin Farrell where they're, they're kind of going into the city or that you know um, they they're obviously like they they go into like the the relative it seems of um, of the loner of the loner Leader. leaders sort of family and they're obviously on the couch and they have to pretend that they're in a, in a relationship <laughs> together but obviously they do they they are actually in a relationship with each yeah, other yeah yeah that bit's quite funny they get kind of get carried away in one scene and uh, the lone leaders get really jealous and she's like stop it this isn't right you, you're not supposed to be doing this and it's like yeah it's when the, her parents are playing guitar aren't they and they, they kind of just start making out on the sofa and she's like this is really rude you're disrespecting my parents like they're playing they're playing, playing music for it it's like you should sit and listen to them and there's also the games that they play obviously to you know once uh, Rachel Wise goes sort of blind they're having to play these 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 sort of games and she's like having to like crush like or, or feel what they are guess does it feel guess yeah, that was the, that was the thing. That was the thing I was going to say. So at the end, does he blind himself? So at, at the end of the film, of Rachel Wiseman's character's been, you know, as a punishment, she's been blinded, and then they sort of escape from the woods. Um, they get to this diner, and he asks for a steak knife, and then he's gonna he's, he takes it into the bathroom, and he's trying to psych himself up to to blind himself with it. And the kind of last shot we see is you can kind of hear stuff and can't see anything. But before that, we kind of get a shot of her sat waiting for him to come back out. D- does he blind himself? And why? Why is it so important for him to do I that? I suppose it wouldn't matter, was it? Because she's blind. I mean, it wouldn't matter. That's the thing I thought. I was like, she wouldn't She wouldn't ever know if he was blind or not. And also, if they were going to go off together, it would be very advantageous. And I guess that's, that's one of the things about, you know, it's this kind of thing. But it would be very advantageous if one of you could see if you're trying to make it in this world together as a couple um, when you're you know presumably you're gonna have to fake documents and things like that to make it look like you're married or or have been married for a while i think what it is sam it's a par- it's actually a um it's hinting at a uh, a parallel to a greek tragedy which is like uh where one of the characters at the end has to sacrifice uh. themselves where they cut out an eye which is oedipus stabbing his eyes out sort of blinding himself the stabbing of his eyes almost being a sort of symbolic punishment for him being blind before by his own hubris. 
Maybe the same way David has been blind in the story. There's a lot of that in the, the killing of a sacred deer. It, there's also another parallel to a, a, a Greek tragedy where one of the characters is, is sort of sacrificing uh, one of their kin. They have to sacrifice because of the misgivings they've made. Mm. I suppose it is a thing of like, it's sacrifice in itself, isn't it? You know, even if the person couldn't know that you, they couldn't really mm. truly tell, it's the point that you you did it for them to to have that you know and i suppose maybe that's the boxes of this world being really tested would you go through with blinding yourself just so you could say that you are the same as this person you know because they bonded over being short-sighted that's the thing isn't it yeah it feels like it's he, he's tr he's kind of going to well we're not both short-sighted anymore but we can both be blind together and, and go through it like the same um which yeah that seems like such a i don't know such a drastic and brutal kind of thing to have to do to yourself with a steak knife in the bathroom of a some kind of you know diner well i suppose it brings to question it maybe it comes to the head of like are you prepared to sacrifice fitting in with society basically ensuring your survival you could go off with other people you could go with a different relationship you go could go to the hotel again or whatever it may be you could get away with it or are you going to make the ultimate sacrifice you know blind yourself but then obviously you do that for love you do that for really what the film is about really what you know or mm. what the, the 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 confines of these systems are telling you is like wrong that you're doing something you know that's not going to be advantageous it's not going to put you in a better position so i suppose that yeah it really brings to question that sort of element of sacrifice are you willing to aberrate from the system yeah, I totally agree. I think that sounds like a good place to, to bring it to an end. <laughs> yeah, that's let's a do nice it. Si signing off. I think so it's the station signing off. Τότε γύρισα και σου είπα για λούς είναι το κρασί για λούς δόξα, για λούς πλούτη μα για μένα είσαι εσύ για λούς δόξα, για λούς πλούτη μα για μένα είσαι Thank you for joining us on another episode of The Station Podcast. If you have any thoughts about the film or what we've discussed today, please be sure to let us know at our Facebook and Instagram, as well as if you want to keep up to date with what we post and our schedules. Thank you.